0: All right, morning. Morning. Uh, My name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. As a church, we have been studying verse by verse through the letter of Ephesians in the Bible, and today we come to a particularly difficult passage uh, for our culture. It is a passage that talks about wives submitting to their husbands and husbands laying down their lives for their wives. And listen, we could have skipped it, Okay. And, and the vast, vast majority of churches do. They just skip right over it. And you might have even excused me for skipping it this time because we covered the letter of Colossians last year. And Paul talks about the same thing in Colossians. So we talked about this some even last year. But the truth is, this is a topic that is so foreign to us as Americans. Even as American Christians, I think we've got to look harder at these topics that feel so different to us. And so... In our church, you know, whether it's a passage on gender or sexuality or even submission and sacrifice, you're going to hear a teaching on what the Bible says here, even if it makes your pastor sweat, okay? And that's, that's because we are committed. We're committed no matter what to teaching the word of God. And I hope for you as followers of Jesus Christ in this room that you are open to obeying the word of God even if it's hard. One of the things we can't do, and we we do this a lot as Christians, when the Bible addresses other people's issues and we know it's hard for them, we're like, well, it's true. It's the word, right? But then when it's for us, we're like, well, I don't know, okay? (laughs) The truth can't be based on our own Preferences. Okay, so let's dive into this. Grab a Bible, whether you brought your own or there's one at your chair. We're going to be on page eight hundred and one. We don't put the verses on the screen, a, because we want you to just dive into it and see with your own eyes. And I don't remember what b was, so we're just going to go with a. So, uh, go ahead and uh, grab a Bible. Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse twenty-one. So if you find the small twenty-one, you'll be in your right, the right place. While you're opening up the Bible, uh, let me say I understand that not everybody in this room uh, is married. And uh, that's okay. I know many of you will be someday, and so this is important to learn now. And even if you won't, these, I think, are still helpful principles for the Christ follower. Okay, so let's start with just verse 21. 21 says this. Submit to one another out of reverence. Submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ. So, here, before we even get into husbands and wives, we see that there is a verse about mutual submission. Okay, so don't forget this three minutes from now, okay? Paul is saying that Christians need to submit, we need to serve one another out of respect, out of reverence for God. So, before you can even dream about being a good husband or a good wife, it starts with being a better husband imitator of Christ. And who was Christ? Christ was the one who got down and washed feet, not looking to everyone else to come and wash his feet. So let's keep reading. So now we're on uh, verse 22, and we're gonna start with the instructions for the wives here. 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, before we go any further, let me say what the word submit does not mean. Because for some of you, you just hear that word and it just makes your brain go bonkers, okay? First of all, submit does not mean subjugate. Okay, It doesn't mean to come under the control of another person. It does not even mean obey. It doesn't mean do everything your husband says or anything like that. And also, by the way, the context here is marriage. Okay, so this doesn't say anything about women obeying men everywhere, or anything like that. Submit is a positional word about following another person. It's not a word about how much value a person has. Uh, In fact, before we go any further into application, uh, let me clearly explain how submission and serving does not equal inferiority. Uh, When we covered this last year, uh, we went through 1 Corinthians 11 a little bit, and I just... I want to take 60 seconds here and go through this again because I think it's so important. And I know something like 400 of you are new just from when we covered this last year. So look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three. It says this, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so we read the head of every man is Christ and they go, that's good, these men need, they need Christ, let's be honest, right? And then, and then we read, and the head of the woman is God man, and many of us go, I'm sorry, excuse me? What does that say, right? But what does it say next? Then it says, in the head of Christ is God. So he's saying the head, that means the leader. The leader of Jesus the Son is God the Father. Now let me ask you a question. Is Jesus the Son inferior to God the Father? no. In fact, it's literally heresy to say that Jesus is inferior to the Father simply because they don't have the same role and function. And so the husband and wife are equal, but God has different roles for them to play. So let's dive deeper into what Paul is talking about for wives and husbands. And my mind thinks in charts, okay? So I want to break this down for you. So here's kind of our first question. So look to the upper left. Why? Why? Why should a wife, we're going to talk through why a wife should respect her husband and submit to his godly leadership. And the first reason is because submission is how we imitate and become more like Christ. Now remember, okay, we all do that. We all submit to one another. Submission is a posture for Christians. It's imitating Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, on the night before he was killed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's talking to God, the Father, and he's dreading the cross. And he says, Father, if there's another way, let me know. Right? But then what does he do? He submits himself to the Father and he says, but not my will, your will be done, he comes under him, and so when Paul says to wives in verse 22, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, he means that wives should serve and treat their husbands with a love like they would love and serve Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean your husband is God, okay? Like, obviously, he's not, right? Don't and don't amen that either, okay? Um. <laughs> But here's, here's what happens. This, this is why you should trust God's word in this. Because if you are honoring your husband and you're serving him and you're respecting him, you are actually gonna grow in your likeness to Jesus. Let me explain this. Now, if you've been married for a while, one of the things that you realize is as soon as you get out of that like honeymoon phase okay, and you get into real normal marriage, you quickly realize that marriage actually is going to be the primary place in your life that you are going to be made aware of your sin and selfishness. That is if you're honest, by the way, and you're not just always blaming the other person. And so marriage is actually our greatest opportunity to bring our self-centeredness, our pride, and our ego to Jesus, and to say to Jesus, help me humble myself. I'm just so self-centered here, I'm so prideful. Help me learn to just serve this other person that you've put in my life. And so marriage actually is, for so many of us, it's the main avenue that we grow in learning to imitate and become more like our Savior, Jesus. Uh, I can't recommend to you uh, enough uh, Timothy Keller's uh, book, uh, The Meaning of Marriage. Uh, It's the best marriage book that I've ever read, uh, and it covers so deeply this point that we're talking about. Um, It's going to be available in our church library, uh, which along with the rest of our 10,000-square-foot new adult wing is gonna open two weeks from today uh, on March 17th, which is gonna be really, really cool. Thank you uh, for the two of you that clapped. We... The three of us will get cupcakes on that day uh, to celebrate. Okay, for the rest of you, I just, I don't know what to say. Okay, Uh, you're Minnesotan, it's fine. We don't react, we're just quiet, okay? Okay, just so no one thinks that I'm going all in on one gender, I actually want to kind of dance back and forth here between the men and the women. So let's jump ahead actually to verse 25. We'll come back to the rest of the verses, but let's look to the men now. Here's what Paul says to the husbands. 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, so let's look at our chart. So why should a husband love his wife and lay down his life for her? In part, reason number one is because sacrifice is how we imitate and become more like Christ. And so the husband is supposed to love his wife. Well, how is he supposed to do that? It says by giving himself up for her and loving her like Christ loved the church. How did, how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her, right? He died for her. And so husbands, you are therefore to love your wife so deeply you are to cherish her and listen to her like she is the most important and special person on the planet. You are to serve her so abundantly. You are to put her first so often. You are to sacrifice for her so much that you would die for her like Christ loved the church. That's how you're supposed to treat your wife as a Christian man. And see, I wanted to go back and forth here because you've got to see how the puzzle works together. So ladies, ladies, When this works as God intends, can you follow a man who loves and sacrifices and treats you like that? Yes, right? And gentlemen, can you sacrifice and give everything for a woman who respects you so much and she serves you and she loves you? Yes, God's word works when we live it out. But we've got to do this carefully and biblically because I think whenever you get to sensitive subjects, you end up getting a lot of irrational extremes, right? Too many people, even though this is all over the New Testament, too many people get to these verses and they just, Throw them out, right? Well, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? And, and too many people, do, they don't read them carefully. And they just say, well, the husband's right about everything. That's not what it says, right? And so we've got to be careful in how we study God's word. I do think the challenge, though, when the rubber hits the road, I do, I do think the challenge, though, is that neither of us are the perfect spouse, right? And so it's easy. Okay, you're looking at the Bible, and you're going, okay, I, I see what this says. I'm supposed to f- you know, serve, submit, follow but I don't want to follow him because he's lazy, right? And you're going, I, he's, actually, sometimes he's just wrong. Right? Actually, most of the time he's wrong, right? Or he's mean, or we have all these lists of excuses. And guys, you're going, I don't want to lay my life down for her because I feel like all the time she's nagging me, and she's neurotic, or he's just worried, and I'm just bitter, and I just, okay, so then what do you do? Well, this is where our call is to imitate Christ, who loved his bride, that's us, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, but simply because he loved us. And he saw what we could become through the vehicle of love. That's how you're supposed to look at your marriage. Now, I think this topic begs a lot of... um, yeah, but what about my situation? Sort of questions. Cuz some of you're going, oh, "Okay, but if you if you really understood, this is why we talk about house groups every week." Right? This is good. Sunday morning this is great. Teaching of the word corporate worship. But house groups just as important. You need godly people in your life so you can say, "Yeah, this is my situation. What do you all think of this?" So they can speak God's wisdom into your situation. But let me let me give you one specific example, and and perhaps this will this will help. Okay, let's say um, you're married, and one of you has been offered a great new job, but it's far away. It's in Arizona or something like that. Uh, So you have to move. Obviously, Um, I guess not obviously. Now you can telework from like everywhere, right? But let's say you have to move in this this situation. How do you decide, especially if you disagree? Now, firstly, I would say realize that someone in your marriage is already making big decisions. So this isn't like a text about, well, now someone's going to have to make, someone's already making big decisions, okay? So how do you approach this then as a Christian couple? Here's how you should approach it. The wife should come to this decision with a part posture of submission saying, I will follow my husband's lead. But the husband should come to this discussion with the heart posture of sacrifice, saying, I will be the one to sacrifice for my family. And when you both have that Christian posture, and both of you are deeply seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of your Christian friends and the truth of God's word, I absolutely believe that God will lead you to the right decision. But you both gotta have that biblical posture in marriage. Okay, let's jump back to the wives now. So we're going back to verse 23. 23 says this. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, so let me give you a second reason now on our chart of why a wife should follow the godly leadership of her husband. And number two is this, the husband was created to be the head. Now look at me, this is not what Pastor David says. This is not what Renovation Church says. I'm literally reading from the Bible. Okay, and so as Christians, we really only have two choices here, right? We can either hypocritically deny this part of Scripture, or we can seek to understand it. And I just believe so deeply in the Word of God. I believe so deeply in God's wisdom that I want to understand it. You know, when Paul... The apostle Paul talks about the relationship uh, between men and women in marriage. It's really common, actually, for him to refer back to the book of Genesis. He's gonna do that, actually, in our chapter, in in a little bit, and he does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 11, same thing in 1 Timothy 2. He's always going back to Genesis. And what he's calling out each time is that in Genesis, Adam was created first. Now, this is what theologians call the created order. So Adam was created first, and Eve was then created literally from a rib out of Adam, God makes Eve. And so Adam is given clear leadership responsibility in that relationship. So in this verse, in Ephesians, it says the husband is the head of the wife. Now, the word head in the Greek often is translated with the same sort of idea as source. And so that's actually referring back to the created order where Adam is literally the source of Eve, And so what God's word is teaching here for your marriage is that you can't thrive at the highest level in your marriage until you recognize that men and women were created differently and with different roles. But if if you're fighting against that, and we talked about this in our gender and sexuality series, if you're fighting against that, it's kind of like fighting against God's design for how he made humans. And you'll end up sort of just feeling like you're swimming against the current. By the way, one thing I wanted to share with you is um, many of you know I spent so much of 2023 reading and studying about gender. One of the things I'll tell you is from my studies of this past year, I actually now believe these verses about marriage in Ephesians 5 even more than I did before. And part of the reason for that is I think there is so much and there has been so much confusion in our culture around gender, and part of the reason is for really the last 50 years now, even in the church, we've been saying there's really no difference between the genders, but there is a difference. And God was intentional even in the order in which he created us. Okay, let's look down at verse 26. We're gonna go back to the husbands. So husbands, we're already told are to lay their lives down for their wives. Here's why, 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Okay, so here, here's what this, is saying, what this is saying. Let's look at the next part of the chart. The primary way, husbands that you are to lead in your family is in spiritual leadership. Okay, that's what this text is saying. And that means, therefore, that you are responsible as the head for your family's spiritual development. Okay, so you are to be the one who says to your family, hey, I know it's been like a crazy weekend. We had like a basketball tournament all weekend, but Y'all, just so you know, we're go- I don't know why I just said y'all, we're in Texas all of a sudden. Huh? Just so you know, we're going to church tomorrow morning. Uh, second service, right? You're the one to, to look at your wife and say, hey, what if we, I know it's just been nuts lately and hard, what if we started praying together? Or our family just prayed at meals. Or I know a ton of you, I just walked down our kids' wing, it's, there's just little people everywhere. A ton of you have little kids, right? Husbands, be the one who says, hey, our kids, they're starting to get a little older now. What if we just added to our nighttime routine? We just Right after the kids brush their teeth, we just read the Bible together every night. Tons of great kids' Bibles recommended on our resource page, on our website. You're to be the one that say, the one that says, hey, you know, they're always talking about house groups. I know it's intimidating and kind of crazy and hard to sign up, but what if we signed up? What if we did it? And men, I, w- I wanna urge you to lead in, in this spot, right here. I think that we have too many women who come to this church with their husbands, but then they go to house groups alone. And, and this is where men, I want you to lead, to lead, lead spiritually. You know, I, t- I teach leadership to a lot of people and to pastors. And one of the things I always say about leadership is leaders do the hard thing. That's what leadership is. And part of spiritual leadership is you do what's hard. You do what's uncomfortable. I wanna urge you to lead your family even in that. And husbands, I want you to study. Maybe even take this home and you look at what the Bible says again. Study the text. Do you see, in this passage that we just read, so Paul is using the present language. So he's saying that Jesus is going to present us, his bride, as a radiant bride, to the Father. And husbands, he says, are to think Actually, in the same manner that you will be presenting your bride, you will be presenting your, your children to God the Father to say, see, Jesus, I, I, I worked with, I, I, to say to the Father, I worked with Jesus to help them grow in you. I helped my kids prioritize putting you first. I modeled how to live like you, Father. I, I denied myself. Because men, one of the titles you can have for yourself, you are to be the chief sacrificer in your family. So I denied myself so they could have their needs met. Uh, if you want to dive deeper into the subject, I think it's really important uh, to study a Genesis chapter two and Genesis chapter three, which is the story of creation uh, and the fall. You know, as I was doing so this week, I noticed something that I had never seen before, and I, I just think this is fascinating. So in, in the fall, after Eve falls for Satan's lie and she eats the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve they run and they hide. But then, verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3 says this It says, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Hold on a second. Who ate the fruit? Eve! But it says, God's very first question was, Adam. Where are you? And to many of the men in this room, God is saying right now, men, where are you? I've made you. I have made you, and I have called you to lead. Lead. Gentlemen, look at me. When you die someday, what the Bible is saying here, When you give an account to God for your life, because we will, one of the main accountings that you're going to give, first and foremost, it's not about your career. It's not going to ask you first about that. It's not, hey, did you put in tons of hours and make sure your kid made the varsity soccer team? It's not, did your kid get an academic scholarship? All those things James says are just a miss. They're here and they're gone. Your main task as a godly man is to lead your family in the things that matter most in the scope of eternity. And your leadership here, it matters so much. Some of you have heard me say this before, I, I just think this is such a tremendous statistic. So we know, and I have seen this to be so true anecdotally in our own church. We know from studies that when the mother of a family is the very first person in the family to accept Christ, we know that 17% of the time, the rest of the family becomes Christians, comes to Christ. However, if the father of the family is the very first person in the family to come to Christ, 93% of the time, the entire rest of the family comes to Christ. Come on. What is that? That's amazing, and it is so true, and I have seen it, Time and time and time and time again in this church. And this is why. This is why. You want to trust in God's design. Even if as a woman you're thinking, but I'm the strong leader in the marriage. I'm the, strong, I'm the one who gets everyone to church. I do the discipling of the kids. My husband's just kind of in the background. The guy's thinking like, yeah, I'm in the background. Like, I'm the quiet person. That's not really my thing. But men. There is just something in how God designed you that when you lead spiritually, it just is so influential to everyone else in your family. It just is how God made you. And so men, if you've fallen behind on this, it's really important to me right now that you don't guilt yourself That you're not shaming yourself in frustration right now. Because some of you are doing, you're like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to house groups. I'm not reading the Bible to my kids. My wife's doing that. I'm just, uh, I don't want you to do that. Because it's not helpful. It's not going to get you anywhere. Okay, you know, you preach the gospel to yourself. That Jesus Christ knows all of our sins. He knows all of our failures. And he loves you. And he forgives you. And he cares so much about you. Okay, so preach the gospel to yourself. But today is a new day. We start fresh today, and today is the day that you start to lead. And if you're going, I still don't know what that looks like, again, that's where house groups is so important, to look to the other guys in your group and say, would you tell me? I know a lot of really godly men in this church that are leading their families incredibly well. Ask them. How are you doing this? How are you doing this? And before we move to our third and final point, I do want to let me just insert something quickly to our single people in the room. I know we have a lot of single young adults, particularly in this church. To the single guys. It is critical that you are growing and maturing in Christ before you get married. Marriage and fatherhood are massive responsibilities. And the most important thing that you can be working on now in your life, a lot of you in your early 20s, mid-late 20s, the most important thing you can be working on in your life, it's actually not even your career uh, it's not making sure you have enough money. And lot of times I feel like parents say, the most important thing you can do before you get married is have a stable income. Yes, please, a get a job, okay? All those things are important. But actually the most important thing you can do is to mature and grow in Christ. Because you can be dirt poor, but if you love, obey, and follow Jesus, you will be the man that your wife needs, okay? That is the most important thing. All right, and then to the single ladies, it is critical It is absolutely critical that you don't waste your time searching primarily for an attractive man or a wealthy man or even a romantic man but that you look first and foremost for a godly man. Because if you can find a godly man who will lay down his life for you, and your future kids, then those blessings will never end. Because listen, beauty fades and money runs out but godliness leads to an eternal blessing. And, the, and one more thing to the single people. I want you to know, we, all, we, we just idolize marriage in this country. But you have to know, it is better for you not to marry than to marry someone who will cool your heart towards Jesus Christ. Never forget that. Okay, let, let's go to our third and final point. Uh, and this is one for both husbands and wives. It's given primarily to the husbands, but it applies to both of us. So we're back to verse 28. Okay, Paul says, 28. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man, now he's quoting Genesis, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so the husband is told to love his wife as his own body, and look carefully here. Everywhere in the Bible matters, and I feel like this is one of the verses that I've always kind of read wrongly in my head. I've always kind of read it as love your wife like you love your own body. Says, that's not actually what it says. It says that I'm supposed to love my wife because she is part of my own body. We are one body. That's why Paul actually is quoting Genesis here because Genesis says the husband and the wife come together as one flesh, one body. And this is the third reason that we should submit and sacrifice for each other. Number three, we'll put this on our chart. It is we are one body. And I think this reframing of marriage is really practical actually and it's really important because if you understand that your wife or your husband is a part of you, you're one unit, it changes your thinking. Uh, In writing about verse 28, so verse 28 says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Uh, My favorite Bible commentator, David Kuzik, he says this way, he says, when you love your wife, you benefit yourself. Perhaps it's better to put it in the negative. When you neglect your wife, you neglect yourself, and it will come back to hurt you. We all know what it's like to neglect something, like a noise or maintenance issue on an automobile, and it comes back to hurt us. Husbands, it is even more true regarding your wife because she is part of you. Only a fool neglects his own broken arm or infected leg, yet there are many foolish husbands who hurt or neglect their wives, and the husbands will suffer from it. And the opposite is, of course, true for wives who neglect their husbands. And truthfully, we're suffering because we've bought into this worldly view of marriage. Right? Too many of us, we think if we were asked or probed I think what we think is the pathway to joy in marriage is when the other person gets their stuff together and finally starts doing things for me and giving me joy. I mean, we're just always thinking like that. We're thinking, if they would change, my marriage would get better, if they would notice me, if they would help out more around the house, if they would be intimate more, if they would just notice how much I do and appreciate me more, they were supposed to make me happy. But that will never work. Just tell yourself right now, I've got I to gotta stop that. Because if you think of yourself as I'm a single unit, and they're a single unit, and this unit is supposed to make me happy, it'll never work. But if you can see your marriage as the Word of God describes it as one flesh, one body, one unit, then you're actually able to pour into that other person because you can remember, this is really practical advice from Paul. He's saying, as you love that other person, remember, you're actually loving yourself. And so like if you get up an hour early on a Saturday because you're gonna go fix something around the house or you're gonna clean something or you're gonna make breakfast for everybody, realize that's not you draining something out of yourself. You're actually pouring into yourself. Because you are one. So I just urge you, church, I urge you, trust the word of God. Okay, trust the example of Jesus, of submission and sacrifice. And I just believe that your marriage will come alive again when you stop seeing your spouse as someone to take from, but someone to pour into. Follow the example of Christ. All right, let me pray over our marriages this morning. Lord, I I just want to pray over all of the marriages of Renovation Church that you would help us, even if it feels foreign and different, trust your word, and that we would love and pour out for one another, like you described. I pray for any marriage that it just feels like it's on the rocks this morning. Holy Spirit, would you bring your healing power and bring them back together, restore them to their original love. We know you can do that, and you do that. And we just ask for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.